Welcome to this week's episode of That's Enough Already. And this week I'm talking to good mate Dave Hughes. And not only is he a good mate and he's on the radio and he's a touring comic and he's got his own show and he's super successful. And, you know, we all remember him buying that blockhouse. But he is also on The Masked Singer with me. And I, I go on my knees every night and I, well, I don't pray. Um, but if I had to, I'd be so thankful that he's on that show with me because the only one with more ridiculous guesses than me is Dave. And I once guessed salmon. So strap in, here's Dave Hughes. Shh, that's quite enough. Just stop. Just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. Zip it. Shush, please. <laughs> yes, I can hear. Calm down, mate. But I don't care. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush. Listen, you know, uh, like now, nowadays, because you're nearly 50, or are you I am 50, 50 yeah. You are 50. 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm pushing 50. So the the uh, assumption is older people don't know shit about socials, right, or about tech or about yeah. any of that stuff. But the thing is you managed to figure it out, right? Even with the help of Holly, you still figured it out how to come on to this. Now, I've been recording TV shows from home, and I'm telling you, the younger people are the ones struggling with getting on to shit. Well, I mean, that's because they probably don't have the persistence that we've got. You know, they haven't endured what we've endured. There's a lot, you know, we've... We we grew up in the seventies, you know. <laughs> we yeah. grew up. On, yeah. We went. We were part of sorting out the internet. We were the ones running all the problems. Like we were the ones that got all of the little glitches out of the system for them, so they can work technology no problem if it's working. If it's not working, these little fuckheads don't know how to problem solve. They don't know how to troubleshoot and go, okay, this isn't working. How can I fix it? They just don't fucking know. Well, our generation actually uh, invented the internet. I actually started an, I, an information technology degree back in 1989. Uh, and if you, you know, if you go back to the internet history, you yeah. know, not my internet history, the internet, the history of yeah, the no, internet. No, no one's ready for your <laughs> internet history. That's pretty good these days. But <laughs> it, it, it started, it kicked off around 1990. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't me, but it was my gen because I quit after six weeks because yeah. I didn't think there was any, uh, you know, I didn't realise, I didn't think it was a future. I didn't think it was a future. <laughs> the people who persisted, some of my classmates, the class of 89 yeah. in the uni where I went, uh, yeah, they, they built the internet basically. So Yeah, yeah, because uh, when did it proper, like, accessible to people was in 1991 when it started to sort of get rolled out, not just at specific, you know, like government departments, yeah. when it went to the public. So that is literally like I remember, um, you know, sort of saving these little three-pixel pictures onto floppy disks at the newspaper because before that we used to work on this thing called the Haystack system. We used to strip the newspaper still. Like old school, strip the newspaper where you would run it through a wax machine, then stick it on, then on on an actual like a negative, and then you would go or a positive, then you would go shoot it in a dark room, photos of it, then you would make plates and send the four plates off for pr- anyway. That sounds like some. My God, but you did that, or the people you? I did that. Yeah, right. Oh yeah, I did an apprenticeship as a typesetter. So yeah, back wow. Back in the old days, you know. Did you finish but, the apprenticeship or not? Yeah. Did you? Yeah, I'm a qualified typesetter. Well, I did not know that. that Mate, there's a lot of shit. Like, <laughs> I I did not know because, like, sort of your tag, I, I guess sort of you're, you're the larrikin, you know, you're sort yeah. of the, with a 
Aussie Aussie accent and the you know although I'm guessing that's 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 real that's your real accent it is real <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean it's not real not from small town Australia people in Australia think my accent's weird yeah. alright so yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. but like your if, if you close your eyes if you live anywhere in the world and you think Australian accent it's yours that come up. You know, it's not that yeah. snooty Sydney accent. It's your accent. Exactly. I, I once actually on my accent, I once uh, I was at the uh, Opera House, uh, the Sydney Opera House, when because my mother in law is a big Oprah fan, yeah. and I was at the Sydney Opera House when Oprah came to Australia mm-hmm. to do live shows, and Hugh Jackman was on a flying fox. So you might remember this, but Hugh Jackman was on a flying fox at the, and his 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 you know surprise was to flying fox into Oprah's show on the stage. And he overshot it and he slammed into the back. <laughs> he slammed, he face planted. So Hugh Jackman face planted the oh opera house. And I happened to be there and I was on the, the Aussie TV show, The Project yeah. at the time. I was on a day off, but, you know, because they knew I was there. So they did a live cross to me. And, uh, and that the little, the little, the little um, clip uh, sort of went around the world because it was Hugh Jackman, it was Oprah. Mm-hmm. And there's me doing, you know, the uh, the live cross, and people who don't know me uh, in America, there was. I, so I remember reading the comments. That one, someone said, did, "Did did the trailer trash just walk past the opera house?" And why are they interviewing him? It's like, brutal. <laughs> I don't know if Americans can talk. I've heard some of those southern state accents, and I tell you what, it's not pretty. Exactly. Yeah. No, but I I never knew, like I just read on your wiki page you were the ducks at your school. I was, and look, it's a true story, but I'm not being humble when I say it was the worst year in the school's <laughs> history. So I went to a, a Christian Brothers College. I was a Catholic, so I went to a CBC. I went back in the day when there still was Christian Brothers yeah. working at those schools, and they were crazy this day about that. But I, I, was the, I was the ducks of my year. But generally the next year after, you know, the, the first day of the new school year, they would bring back, the uh, the best person from the previous year. So the ducks of the previous year would do an inspiring speech for the for the new year as classes. Yeah. But the year I got ducks, they never asked me back. So they're like, so just <laughs> glad to see the back of you. They're like, get the fuck out of our school. We're not doing. Yeah, like we do not want that guy trying to inspire the new life. But do there. you think, like, with anything like that, or even like with awards or whatever, like, say, if if I do something that's smarter than you, then I become the ducks from your school. I then take that title off you. Yeah, that, it should be it should be like but, boxing or like it, like it, the trophy gets handed <laughs> on. It's like. I'm smarter than you, so I am the ducks at that school now. But I, I wasn't the most, you know, there was a girls' school attached to the, there was a boys' school, yeah. girls' school, St Anne's was the girls' school, and I was so. Run by nuns or what? It was run by nuns, yeah, absolutely. But I was so paranoid. I used to think all the girls would laugh at me, but back then it wasn't a good thing. I, if they were laughing, yeah. I was like, now I'm happy when people, when girls laugh yeah. at me, I, it's the best. But back then I was, I was not, if they laughed at me, oh, no, God, I'm a loser, they're laughing at me. But it was only a few years before that turned around. But, yeah, yeah so I wasn't a popular uh, guy amongst the girls' school, but now my photo is, is, is on the wall there and I'm thinking, you know, if only I knew, Ursula, yeah. that I would become something that. But isn't that, isn't that a powerful thing where you go, and what's annoyed me for you at one stage, you will look back and go, oh, my God, that was the best thing that could have happened in that scenario. Yeah, absolutely. The paranoia of being a youthful uh, person who's not popular or, is, you know, that yeah. sort of probably, I don't know about you, but that sort of probably uh, set me on my path yeah. where I had to 
use the comedy to become, you know, yeah. whatever, to become popular. Yeah. Oh, no, I was very popular. <laughs> but I, yeah, because I used comedy right from the get go. From from primary school, I was always the fat kid, so I sort of had to roll it out. I was I was not the ducks at my school. I tell you what, but, but weirdly, the smartest kids in my school. I look back, and I guess this is sort of where Facebook has come in. You know, back in the day, like my mom doesn't know what happened to any of the people that went to school with her, but because all their surnames changed and yeah um whereas with us it's easy now to track those people and the smartest people at my school went into careers that I go really you could have been like a physicist you could have been (laughs) you could have been on fucking Mars already and then they're like oh I'm a I'm a librarian or I'm I'm like that's literally a career that is who still goes to the library no one no one went to the library when we were kids You know. Exactly. I remember I once I was in a nightclub like underage drinking mm. and one of my mates who was backing me up as being a clever kid, yeah. you know, in, in the, the final year of high school, he had an argument with another guy from another school about this other guy and this other guy said, my, my friend's smarter than your friend. And um, so they had a bet on who would get the, the best marks yeah. and this guy who I – the guy that, you know, my rival – Got perfect scores. He was like, but then a couple of years later, I found out he was a heroin addict. Yeah. So you know, it was like it. So yeah, yeah, I never got hooked on heroin. So I well, think I was you're winning. winning. <laughs> you're winning, mate. Never mind. You don't drink. You're vegan. You're as clean living as they come. I'm glad I don't live with you because it sounds like you're very farty. Well, that is true. That's an absolute true yeah. story. People so. don't think about that with vegans, like you know, oh, vegan. Like, like me. Yeah, you're very farty people. Really farty. Really, yeah. it's like it's it's a proper it's a proper issue to be honest. It's all the beans, and it's just yeah, very regular. I mean, oh, it's going to be a great. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a, so it's a honestly, is it issue. good for the environment? You know, like you're saving well, a cow, but you're fucking up the air we breathe. You know. Well, that's right. I mean, they say that the, the, the you know by the cows farting is causes a lot of the uh, the gases. But yeah. The- must also be yeah, it's the a same well. thing. It's, <laughs> like if you think about it, if you eat meat, you are actively helping the environment because you are you are eliminating the cows. Like the number one <laughs> pollutant in New Zealand is is farming. So if we then eat the cows, there's less of them to fuck up the environment, right? Whereas plants and vegetables, they create oxygen for the environment, right? That's where we get our oxygen from. Now vegans come in and eat those plants, removing the oxygen from the air. So technically you are fucking the world more than we are. I am helping and you are destroying. You know, I I can absolutely see your logic and and, and on on surface value, you're completely right. (laughs) You are reducing, you're reducing the cow population (laughs) while I'm reducing the uh, plant population. So, yeah, I have no idea why I haven't thought of that before. Yeah, I mean, you are doing us a disservice here. Do you not care about your children? Do you not, you are removing oxygen. Is your whole family vegan? Because then you... no, you as a no, unit can be destroying the whole of your fucking neighbourhood. <laughs> no, I'm not. They're, I'm battling against the tide here, to be honest. My children uh, are very much meat eaters. and oh, uh, good on them. Just they hate me for being a vegan. I'm just, yeah. you know, I'm just, they're just part of the, it's really, it's, I, it's a true story. Last Christmas Eve, last Christmas Eve, my, I went to my mother-in-law's place for a Christmas Eve dinner and, uh, 
and there was a lot, lot of, quite a few people there and she said in front of everyone, all the food's vegan tonight because of you and she pointed at me and it's yeah. like I felt oh, so under pressure. And yeah. My own son said, Dad, why do you even have to be here? And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> you just know someone's had like a turkey or, a, you know, some pork roast out in the boot of their car going, come on, God, and everyone just goes out to the car and side, side loads a bit of beef or something. But I'm not, those, I'm not that person. You can eat meat i don't care i'll put my vegan sausages on on, on in the same like frying pan as your uh, pork sausages i'm not i'm not that i'm yeah. not, certainly not i'm not someone who's you know anti-meat eaters yeah. or unwilling to you know hang out and you, know, you know i i can vouch for that i've i've shared many a meal <laughs> with you and you have no qualms whatsoever absolutely because i'm the opposite of a vegan i i'm just trying to save the world you know one one thing at a yeah, time no, look i again i'm going to think about that from yeah. now on basically. i um i just want to because you started doing comedy in your early 20s you sort of knew you yes. wanted to get into comedy right from the get-go or like when you were still yeah. at school you comedy was your thing what what kind of put you on that path yeah, I had an epiphany uh, when I was, I reckon I was 12 or 13 lying in bed one night and just, I just thought, I, I distinctly remember it thinking, I want to be a comedian. I just, it just occurred to me. Wow. And it was like, you know, you know what, I always loved laughing and I love funny movies. So if I saw a funny movie as a kid, you know, on a VHS tape, I would get my friends and I'd gather them around and I'd come around and watch this movie and I would enjoy them laughing at the movie as well. Yeah. So. I would, I would, yeah, I would, so I would, I always love to see people laugh and I love to laugh myself. So, but, and whenever I got on a stage and I wasn't like a, the drama kid or anything, but I, if I was like, I accepted a, I remember I accepted a trophy at, at a local footy, so I play Aussie rules footy. And I remember like in the under 15s or something, I got, you know, an award or something, I'd get on stage and to pick up the award and I was able to make the room laugh. Mm. I just, I don't know, for whatever I could do, I could just, if I got on stage, I was able to make people laugh. And it was, it's so, as you know, it's so intoxicating. So it's, yeah. yeah so, and there's no feeling like it, uh, as no. you know, and we've been missing it for a long time, basically most of the last two years. But yeah, so I, I knew, and I, I remember doing a 21st speech uh, for a mate and just killing the room, you know, like it was just yeah. so much fun. Not to yeah. say my first stand-up gig, I died completely and utterly and no one laughed and it was so humiliating. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I say. If, if people knew, because um, it's not romantic, it's not fun to hear about the failures, but they go, oh, you've had like a massive rise through, because you've done everything, like, I remember when I just moved to New Zealand, I used to watch you on Rove. Yeah, right, um, yeah, yeah. And I used to go, that that angry guy's on. <laughs> you know, like, I, I love this segment. And I, um, but, but like there's been like this massive rise and you've been involved in basically everything. You basically started the project. Like you were one of the. Yeah, yeah, I know. was there absolutely day one of the project. Absolutely. So, yeah, we did start that. But, yeah, I've, yeah, I've had failures. And, you yeah. know, especially early on as a comedian, yeah. anyone who's listening to this who's thinking about doing comedy you've got to be resilient as you know because yeah. you're going to have times where no one laughs like the first gig I ever did like a stand-up gig and that's there's a special type of pressure as you know Ursula it's all very well doing it doing getting laughs at a, at a 21st speech or where people know a time you. where you're not the pressure isn't on you but when you're on a stand-up stage and that spotlight's on you and there's a room full of strangers who 
you're expected to make laugh. I just crumbled. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely. And in that room, it wasn't a huge room. It was in Perth, actually, in Western Australia. There was no backstage to this room, so I had to walk through the crowd afterwards, like, oh. to get out of the room. And it was so humiliating. Yeah, yeah. Which is walking past people who you just bored senseless for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I wish people had that in their day job so they're like, you know, because I remember having a day job and just go, today I've not been productive at all. You know, you get to 5.30 yeah. and you go, I've literally done fuck all today. <laughs> I, I've been at the coffee machine. I've been, but that is a win then for me. I'm like, I've done fuck all today. Honestly, tomorrow I'm going to have to catch up, but today was pretty mellow. But if that is a comics life, then you go, oh, I just stank up the joint for 10 minutes and people look at me and go, fuck you, you're wasting my time. <laughs> you know, but, and, and they will come up and say, that was shit. Can you imagine your boss as you leave the office in the afternoon going, you were shit today. I've fucking seen this shit before. <laughs> you know? but my first gig, it was horrific and, and it was just it was, it was a walk of shame out of the venue. At the time I was sharing a house with a, a mate of mine from my country town who I used to play, you know, Aussie Rules footy with and he – I got back, his, name, his nickname was Rat, right? So I got back to this share, house, share flat, I was me and Rat, and then Rat said to me, how'd you go? And I said, no, I'm not good. And he said, do you know why? And I said, not really. And this guy who I'd known as a, since as a kid looked at me and said, because you're not funny. And I was oh. like, it's just, it's just. So I've, this dream I've had, I've failed university because I had this dream of being a comedian and then the opening night and no one laughs and then the guy I'm sharing a flat with just says I'm not funny and I'm looking in the mirror going, fuck, have I, am I an absolute loser? <laughs> He's just got to go back and finish that IT degree. You know? yeah. <laughs> Crawl back to your failed internet one work job. Shit. Yeah, that's harsh, man. Like I, my first gig was was great, but because I knew most of the people in the audience, it was sort yeah, of right. stacked in my favour. But then, yeah, I basically sucked for a year after that. But then I was already hooked because I don't think once you're in it, once you get that bug, I don't. I think it's very hard. It's like being a heroin addict. I don't think it you is. can walk away from it. Yeah, absolutely. And what what annoying thing for you, I imagine, is that when the first one goes, oh, I remember my third gig is the one went really well. Yeah. But then you're trying to recreate that. Yeah. You know, it's like, fuck, what, what's that magic? And the next night it doesn't work yeah. as well. And you're like, where was that magic? How do I get that magic back? You yeah. Know? So it is, it is, yeah, it's very early on. And some people are great from the get-go and always good, but yeah. other people are erratic. I was erratic. Some nights I would go really well and other nights I would just suck. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, it, yeah, it the, takes a while to go, oh, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do or this is my rhythm, this is – because, you know, when you come off and you go, what the fuck is wrong with that audience? But then a few years in, you go, it's it's not the audience. It hardly yeah, ever has not. anything to do with the audience. It's nice when it's they you. laugh, but you're the one that's triggering that. And then you Absolutely. get to a point where you learn how to do it and you're like, ah. So the minute people go, the audience was just horrendous. You're like, what did you do? <laughs> what did you do? There's a lead up somewhere that you did something it's, Yeah, it's weird. you. Yeah. Like generally, 
the, the audience reflects you. Yeah. You know, not always. And sometimes the environment is yeah. so tough that you just can't make it work. But, yeah, in general, yeah. they reflect whatever you put out there. Yeah, I mean, I've had, I've had a room where a guy had a heart attack in the room right before I came out. I didn't know. So when I came out, there was a weird vibe and then I just started. And, yeah, I, I kind of blame the venue staff for not going, hey, by the way, a guy was just pulled out. Um, <laughs> unconscious by paramedic, <laughs> you know. Like that should have been highlighted to me. But exactly, because then you could make, you know, not yeah. that you're going to make light of it, but at least you're yeah. going to acknowledge it Got so acknowledge that you're all on the you same page. You can't just come out and go, hey, motherfuckers, what's happening? How hot is it? Let's hope no one fucking dies from this heat tonight. Meanwhile, exactly. there's a guy potentially dead from the heat right now. Yeah. But I think yes. that's the magic of, of live stuff, you know, like all the different Absolutely. variables that go into it. I had a, a, vent, a little while back, there was a couple of people in my front row who were, they were clearly crazy or clearly yeah. on crystal meth or something yeah. and eventually they got kicked out and it was like thank god for that but then the uh, the guy who was running the venue came backstage afterwards and he goes do you know exactly why they got kicked out and i said oh well because they were off their heads he goes yeah but they got kicked out because the girl was wanking the guy off <laughs> <laughs> i mean good on them you know <laughs> But this, that is a big effort. But I, I like if you go on any dating site or you listen to anyone looking for a partner, usually the number one thing they say is good sense of humor. So I'm not surprised that at a comedy show, <laughs> someone's pulling a dick out because it just puts you, it's a, it's a very powerful aphrodisiac. You know? Well, they say that. They say mm. that a good night of comedy does, uh, you know, can lead to amorous activities for the audience. Yeah. So, I mean, it's. I mean, you'd hope to think as a, as a, you know, an egomaniac that, you know, somehow your own image comes up later on in some people's <laughs> activities. Might make the guy last longer possibly. I, I mean, but, but teacher, I, I can say with brutal honesty that my voice and your voice would never be the one rotating in <laughs> someone's head because I always find it super suspicious when people go, I think you've got a sexy accent. I go, you're a fucking liar. No one has ever listened to this accent and gone, yeah, that gets my motor running. And I don't think the same happens with yours. Like it's a very niche audience. They are definitely a niche audience, but, you know, it's, it's it's good to be memorable. That's all we can say. Because you know? so when, when you're, when you're, I know, like doing radio, sometimes it's very hard to just some. A lot of people sound very similar, so you're like, "Fuck, who's actually speaking there?" But I know when you're speaking or when I'm speaking, people know who's speaking. So that's, I think, that's good. But also, you can't hide. Like now, the beauty during COVID, people wear masks. I can wear a hat. But no one knows it's me till I open my mouth. <laughs> I just need to say two words and, and people know. They're like, I knew that was you. I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, same with me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't hide that shit. Hey, um, you, because you did the project um, and, and and you've interviewed heaps of people, right? Uh, and, I mean, yeah. I'm going to say from my point, I think it would be boring as absolute fuck to do the project night in and night out, but you do not need to confirm or deny all of that. That's just my opinion. The boring thing about the project or any news show yeah. is the news cycle is so cyclical yeah. and like you know you, you end up doing the same stories 
and like if you do it for more than one year, the years just blend into yeah. each other. So you, yeah, you end up. Oh, it's back to school today, or it's yeah. Halloween. Imagine now, it's, COVID, 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 oh, anti-vax, COVID, every anti-vax, single COVID. day. Oh absolutely. mate, it'll just do your nut in. But on the upside, you've had some amazing experiences. Like you were one of the few people that were chosen to interview the Dalai Lama. Yeah, that was great. And I'm a bit of a, a I'm, I, I like that shtick. I like, I'm a. The Buddhism thing is a thing that I'm into. I remember once I, I grew up a Catholic, as I said, I went to a CBC. Yeah. But um, I remember I, I, back in my formative comedian years, back in when I moved to Perth for a couple of years, back in the early 90s, I, I went to a Buddhist monastery. It was it was in the middle of Perth, so it wasn't like a, out in the, in the mountaintops or anything. But um, And there, there was a service, uh, like it was like half an hour service. And I'd, you know, grown up in Catholic church all my life, so I used to... To, to church services, but for the half an hour, the, the, all that happened is a guy sat on the front of a stage and didn't say anything Amazing. for half an hour or maybe a 45 minutes. Yeah. And it was the best church service I'd ever been to because no one had talked any bullshit. Yeah. Was like, so the silence was um, wonderful. So, and uh, yeah, so when I got to interview the Dalai Lama, there was a, there was a, there was a, a silliness or just a, a, a sense of the ridiculous in the Dalai Lama, which I really connect with. And yeah. he connected with me. He looked in my eyes and said, you've got crazy eyes. And I took that as a compliment. <laughs> I, I would Absolutely. take that as a compliment. <laughs> I think that's so that, Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. He, was a, he, was a, he was a good person. I absolutely enjoyed that. So yeah. at one point I tried to get him to bless my Aussie rules team and he said, I'll do it, but it'll do no good. And he was right. <laughs> so, yeah. Can you imagine if he goes, no, oh, I'm going for the opposition. I've been reading. It's amazing. Now, you, where do you live at the moment? You're in Melbourne. Well, I'm I'm broadcasting a, a radio show into Sydney. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I'm uh, do breakfast radio in Sydney on a on a station that's been um, fledgling, or it's it's been sort of. I haven't done well in in the in the breakfast slot for yeah. many years. So we're trying to reignite that. And, but my family are in Melbourne and we were going to move to Sydney and, and COVID shut the borders. So my family stayed in Melbourne and I was going up and back from Melbourne to Sydney for quite a bit of the year. But after, but the last time I was in Sydney really was doing The Masked Singer with you. Yeah. And then I flew back to Melbourne because you don't want to be away from your family. And the fact that no one can go outside for the last many months really in Sydney and Melbourne, no one's been able to do anything. So mm. it doesn't matter what city you're in. So short answer is I'm in Melbourne right now. <laughs> but you have moved your family around for work. Not, not that really? much, to be honest. Um, they have not got any interest in moving. Yeah. I don't know if some people, families just don't give a shit, you know. No. My family just, they're just happy to be where they are. Yeah. You know, it's, if you don't, if you're not from Australia, you know, this, I know where people could be listening, New Zealand or South Africa, I don't yeah. know, or anywhere, anywhere in the world yeah. with you, but um, Sydney's weather is incredible. The Sydney uh, the scenery, as you know, is just spectacular. It's a, it's a, it's a visually stunning city yeah. on a scale. I think you know it's hard to compare with anywhere in the world, really. And yeah. Melbourne's much more weather's shittier. And yeah, it's, it's like it's like Auckland. Melbourne, Melbourne's Auckland on steroids. Yeah, right. So, but but Melbourne's like it's, it's it doesn't have it's very flat. Doesn't have the visual impact. But you know, your family inertia plays a big part in everyone's life, and no one can be bothered moving anywhere. <laughs> so, if you were um, now, because uh, you've performed in Montreal, you've performed all over yeah. the world, right? Do you think, like, 
there would be a point where you go, fuck it, just pack up the family, move to LA or move to Montreal or move to, would you do that or would you wait for them? I, I do have that dream. Yeah. And, you know, like I have the dream, like you have the dream and you're, you're, you've made more of it, much more of a fist of the international scene than I have. And, you know, I, I get jealous of you and having your, your Netflix special, in fact, you know, so like your, your comedy is available worldwide on Netflix and, you know, I'd love to be able to, in that situation to be honest so yeah I definitely have a dream of like you know I've done I've done very little work in LA but I've done gigs in LA at the at the uh, Melrose Improv where it's just gone it's clicked you know and it's like and you've got American comedians going who the fuck's this guy you know it's like and you've got American audiences go who's this guy you know so I've worked you know where they laugh just like they laugh in Australia and it's like fuck that's that's intoxicating that's like you know I, I really want that that's that gives me a chance to to go on to a, an international, but you know, but I'll tell you who brings you back to 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 earth is your own mum. Like I, I did a gig at the Melrose Improv, and uh, you know, it went really well. And I never bragged to mum because she doesn't give a yeah. shit or whatever. <laughs> but I sent her an email saying, "Mum, I just did a gig in Mel in LA. It went really well." And she sent an email back saying, uh, "Your brother told me you didn't get paid for it." And I'm like, "Fucking oh. come on, mum, give me a chance." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So the short answer is I'd love to, but I'd probably have to wait till the children, my youngest is eight, probably 10 years I could do it. All right, let me ask you something because, you know, you're sort of like when, like I say, when I just saw you for the first time on Rove, that's kind of your your shtick was, you know, the rage, raging about stuff. So what about other people is the one thing that absolutely shits you to death? What's at the top of your pile of, fucking hating shit about other people? Oh, look, it's, I'm trying not to. I really am trying not to hate other people. You know what? I, you know what I hate more than anything is false humility. You know, like I don't, I haven't won many awards in my life. I don't know, you, you've probably won heaps of awards. I haven't won a whole lot of awards. I've like the Australian TV awards, there's something called the Logies yeah. for people who aren't in Australia. And I've presented the Logies many years but never won them myself. So I hate people who get on stage and are handed an award and say they're humbled by this. Like, fuck off. Yeah. I tell you who's humbled, me sitting in the audience who wasn't even nominated. I'm <laughs> <laughs> so what would the correct response be? Like, holy fuck, I, I deserve this or? Yes, I'm proud. Yeah. I'm proud. I'm honoured. I'm like, you know, yeah. I'm like, you know, and I, if I ever do, uh, again, I haven't won many awards in my life, but if, if I ever do win another award, I, I, I guarantee you I'll get on stage and say, fucking bout time, yeah. fucking bout time, bout time, you assholes. Well, can I, <laughs> you, know, bout- you know what shits me about the awards thing, the people now winning awards and making it a, a platform for something, yes. you know? That's the thing that shits me. It's like I get it, but honestly, a Facebook post would have done that too. Like <laughs> you're hitting a big audience. We I, we feel it, but this is sort of the same as in the 80s and 90s where everyone thanked their, their parents and God, you know, and then yeah. people go like, actually, I don't believe in God, so I'm not going to I'm not gonna hike it up for this guy. <laughs> um, you know, now they, they use it as like, you know, everything from women's rights to me too to whatever. It's like global warming, yeah, yeah. It. 
just take your fucking award. Take your award. You're you're already a hero. You're a hero enough because you won the award. We don't need to know that you're a saint as well. Yeah, yeah. No one gives a shit. You know what? Why don't you just, there's there's immediately in that room, half of them go, this cunt should never have won this. You know, like. (laughs) More than half. That's more than half. Cut the shit. Thank people for the award. Go down and go, go eat your entree. That's it. Exactly. So, yep. I deserve it. Yeah. You're, you're, I'm better than all of yeah. you. And fucking it's clear. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I am the ducks this year, bitches. <laughs> and what's the thing about you that shits you? Yeah, on the same topic, it's the jealousy. It's the ultimate <laughs> jealousy. <laughs> it's not being able to be happy for other people's success. So it's probably it's the other side of that coin of like going, you know, like Ursula's got a Netflix special. Good on her. Fuck, I wish it was me. <laughs> Mate, you can't, you bought a, a blockhouse. Everyone in Australia <laughs> is talking about you bought a fucking blockhouse. Not because, I mean, it's a great house. It's a, but if it's like, who's got that kind of cash? Like, I want to buy a fucking blockhouse. That's what everyone, every, in every green room across Australia, <laughs> people were talking about Yuzi and the blockhouse. That is far more valuable than the Netflix special. Well, look, I mean, the fact is you realise that money doesn't make you happy. You know what I mean? When, and people who don't have money tell you to shut up when yeah. you say that. I can tell you they say shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and fair enough to right? So. <laughs> hey, do you enjoy The Masked Singer? Do you enjoy doing I that? do. I love it. I love I love the who the hell is I love it most. And you're you're very good this year. And, and you, I know that you, you know, you guessed some people and you had to sort of hide it. And you I've knew. knuckled down, yeah. You did. You're good. You were yeah. good, but I, I'm a bit more vague than you, and I honestly did not know who a lot of them were, and I love yeah. that. I love when the head comes off and you go, what the fuck? He goes, what? That's, yeah. For people like for me, like for the master chef judge, George Columbaris, where he's, you know, he's yeah. singing like he's a he's a feather duster and his head comes off. Yeah. And, you know, George has had some issues with, I don't know, he's, I don't want to yeah. get into it, but he's, you know, he's had some business issues where, He's got in trouble, and uh, you know his reputation's taken a bit of a hit. But then again, he goes, "Fuck it, I'm going to be, I'm going to, you know, sing as a feather yeah. duster." And like, it's like, and I'm like, it's How? so insane, <laughs> eh? It's I have to say, the Australian audiences are the most unforgiving audiences, I think, ever. Like, you know, certain audiences, like if you go perform in Montreal, you have to allocate a bit of tolerance for the translation. Yeah. You know, like the Canadian, because they're French, they're French Canadian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just a different vibe. Then you go to London to perform and you have to allocate a certain level of tolerance and you need to just keep go out punching. Don't fuck about, you can't chat to them, you're not in Perth. These people are there for jokes and jokes alone. (laughs) They're not there for you to adjust slowly to the room. No, they want to live. Fucking get to it. Get to it and then get off. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Australian audiences, if you fuck up once, they will always have that fuck up in the back of their heads. <laughs> like you go, okay, George Columbaris, um, you know, the pay thing, and then you look up on it and it's like, oh, there was a pay gap, but it, it's very common in Australia because it's such a complex system. Yeah, that, yeah, um, yeah. And hospitality is not easy. It's like God Almighty, it's yeah. not easy. And, and it's like he's not there. And we're not talking 1945 where he's standing with a money clip <laughs> licking out the dollar coin for every white staff in the fucking in Australia. No, 
there's a there's a financial department that's yeah. fucked up somewhere. But no, he's carrying it. <laughs> but if, if you look at there's so many other um, you know chefs who have gone through exactly the same thing. But this is the Hansi Cronier scenario. Yeah. You know, Hansi Cronier carried a lot. If you're not a cricket fan, go look up Hansi Cronier. He had to carry a lot of the shit for the you know taking bribes. But realistically. That happens. That happens all over cricket all the time because, you know, at the end of the day, money is what makes sport go go round, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, of course, there's going to be a bit of bribing and a bit of, you know, I think it's normal. It's like. So these things happen. These yeah. things happen. Yeah. So, but Colin Barris was the Hansi Kronier. Yeah, yeah, he's like, <laughs> people, just wait, people just wait and go, oh, fuck, how can you have that guy on the show? It's like, come on, mate. Yeah, Jesus. if we had to quiz you, you <laughs> fucking get stuck on the first question. You do not know what, what happened there. You just know you saw something in the paper <laughs> and you worked as a waiter when you were 16 years old exactly. and now you're upset but you don't know shit. You just want to tear people down and keep them down. But anyway, we won't get into it. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I like to rack people up on on socials. I'm like, what do you, what exactly would you have done different here, buddy? (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) I love it. Hi, mate, that's it. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush.